Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. And I'm excited about this series because what happens in America, and this happens anywhere where Christianity's been around for a while, um, over decades and over hundreds of years, things change. And so here in America, we've either added things to Jesus or we've subtracted things from Jesus. And Jesus really isn't Jesus at all. So we thought, let's do a series where we show you some of the major things that have been subtracted so we can add them back and make sure we're doing those things. And, and some of the things that have been added so we, that, that aren't Jesus, we can take those babies away. So I'm excited about the second lesson in the series. I want to open up with a story. This past um, January, my mom passed, 2017. And then in August, my father passed uh, of 2017. And after my dad passed, we, we opened up the will, and the will was read. And it was exactly what I expected from my parents, because I have five brothers, so there's six of us. And dad took his estate, and he divided it, and he gave us each of us six an equal amount of the estate. But walking away from that, it got me to thinking. It got me to thinking about our Christianity and how God's given us an inheritance and how you can't work for inheritance. You receive it just because of birth. You receive it because of whose child you are. But then I thought about something else, and I thought, wow, if dad's estate was divided by who did the most for mom and dad, uh, I wonder who would have got the most. And I, I put a list together, and, and uh, I have number one, and then I'll share who was last. And I couldn't share who was last unless it was me. So that's why I can share who was last. But in first place would be my brother Jim, his wife Judy, um, especially the last two years. But they were always doing this. Judy would call them a couple times a day, you okay, you need anything to store? And then she'd come over to make sure, uh, especially my dad was taking his prescription medication. My dad hated taking uh, prescription medications, but he would spend $500 at a shot on a miracle drug that somebody advertised on TV, you know? And he would take those religiously. So uh, Jim did his finances, so he'd tell me, Joe, dad just spent 500 bucks on a miracle drug. And so we, we had to talk to him and coach him out of that. But uh, uh, Judy also took him to doctor's appointments. And then Jim would call every day, and Jim would visit uh, a couple, you know, couple times a week. And then there was me. I was at the bottom, and, and, and I was, wasn't terrible. I, I had a Thursday appointment with my parents, and every Thursday at 7 a.m., I'd go to their house. I'd have coffee. They'd eat breakfast. We'd talk. We'd laugh, and then I'd probably call them again one other time during the week, you know, and then Gina would call them weekly, and then sometimes she'd bring the grandkids over for them to see and enjoy, but I came in last, and I thought, wow, I would have got the least amount of inheritance. How many of us are glad in God that our inheritance comes not because of our works and what we do, but because of whose child we are? It's just like our inheritance in the natural should be. So here's my big idea for this lesson. I titled this lesson, Jesus Plus Works. And, and works I'm using in a negative sense. And in the church in America, we've added this mentality of works. Now, there are good works, and I'll talk about that before I close. We're talking about those, this attitude of works, something we have to do for God's approval. So here's my big idea. This is what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. And it goes like this. You can't work for what you've already got. And I know it's not proper English, but it has more punch, right? 
you can't work for what you already have, or what some, you know, no, you can't work for what you already got. And here's what you've got, all right? When you accepted Jesus, um, you became a child of God. He washed all your sins away. He made you holy, blameless, and without fault in his sight. So you're his kid. He's your father. You're holy, blameless, without fault. Heaven's your future destination. That's part of your inheritance. You can't do anything to earn that. That was given to you by birth, and you can't work for what you've already got. Now, I I would imagine, listen, I would imagine if I were to interview everyone here, everyone listening online, I would imagine if I said, what do you have to do to go to heaven? Probably 95% of you would say, all I have to do is believe in Jesus. There's nothing else I have to do. Uh, we, We get that. Most of us get that. But if I were to ask you, what do you have to do in order for God to smile every morning when you wake up and for God to love you madly, then it would change. And I bet at least 50% of you would throw in some kind of works you have to do in order to have God love you. And that's what, that's what we're talking about. It's a mentality of works. And Jesus plus works is going to freeze you spiritually. You're not going to be able to grow. You're not going to be able to get to the place God wants you to get. And you're trying to get there with a works mentality. It, it just can't happen. We'll find that out today. You have to see that in your inheritance, you received the very approval and love of God, and he can't love you more than he loves you right now. And no matter of work that you do will ever make him love you more. We receive uh, rewards for good works, but you can't make God love you more. You can't work for what you've already got. So I want to read a cool scripture to you. Um, The Apostle Paul is an interesting guy. Uh, He was an expert in the law of Moses. So he taught Jewish people the law of Moses, which is out of the Old Testament. And then he accepts Christ. Now he's trying to get all these Jewish people to to accept Jesus. And it's like running into a brick wall. It's not working. And he's realizing they have a mentality that they have to shift. But what I love about it is this. He's helping us see that mentality at the same time. So this isn't a salvation message. This is about you and I as Christians understanding there's nothing more we can do in order to win God's approval and that God loves you madly right where you're at and you don't have to be perfect in your everyday life. God wants to grow us and bring us to, to where we're free from things, but he loves you right now for who you are. You can't work for what you've already got. So he has to write a letter to the Romans, and he's saying to the Romans, guys, he's saying this is where the Jews are at, and we're going to read that in a moment. And he's just saying they're trying to work for God's approval, but that's what you and I do as Christians. So let's read it. Romans 10, verse 1 and 2 says this, Dear brothers, the longing of my heart and my prayer is that the Jewish people might be saved. That means come and accept Christ. I know what enthusiasm they have for the honor of God, but it is misdirected. So they really love the God of the Bible. They love our Father, but but they're missing something. Listen to what he says in verse 3. For they don't understand that Christ has died to make them right with God. Instead, they are trying to make themselves good enough to gain God's favor by keeping the Jewish laws and customs, but that is not God's way to salvation. So we figured that out, most of us. But here's the part that comes and creeps into our Christianity. Uh, they're trying and we're trying to make ourselves right or accepted by God, and, and it can't work. Listen to verse 4. They don't understand that Christ gives to those who trust in him 
everything they're trying to get by keeping his law, he ends all of that. So here's our problem. You ready? Old Covenant, Old Testament. That's the Old Testament of the Christian Bible. New Covenant, New Testament, right? The word testament means covenant. So when we grow up in traditional churches, Catholic, Protestant, it doesn't matter which one, and I'm not cutting any of them down. They teach us so many incredible things. But what happens is we bring this law of Moses, which has over 600 do's and don'ts, and the idea of the law of Moses is, hey, if you don't do this, God won't bless you. As a matter of fact, a curse will come on you. But if you do all these things, God will bless you and he'll love you. And so that's what the Jewish people were under. And Paul's trying to get them not to, to not see that. But then it comes into the church, and that's our mentality. We know we go to heaven by accepting Jesus, but now we're bringing that works mentality in. And if I don't do this, God's not going to love me. If I don't do this, God's not going to answer my prayer. If I don't live just perfect... We're bringing that and we're mixing it into our Christianity. And God's wanting us to say, no, it's not Jesus plus works. It's just Jesus. And if you've accepted Jesus, you are approved by God himself. So here's an incredible statement. It goes like this. God's grace took our punishment. There's nothing you can do that God's going to punish you for if you're a Christian because Jesus took all of your punishment. Now, I grew up, I wasn't a great kid growing up, and I'm not 100% sure why. I, one of my thoughts is I watched The Godfather and I watched some other movies, and I figured if you're Italian, you just do bad things. I don't know what it was, but I kind of, I think I thought that was what I was supposed to do. And I've shared stories about my past before to make a point, and I made the mistake a while back. I said I was a creep, and then my kids called me. They said, Dad don't ever say you were a creep. And I said, but I was. And they, they said, no, no, no. The, the word creep today means a pervert and, and a sexual predator. I said, well, it didn't mean that in the 70s. It just meant you were bad. I hate, don't you hate when word definitions change? So they always let me know, don't use that word anymore. So I was not a creep, but I was a bad guy. And one of the things I did was I just stole everything I could find. And uh, if it wasn't bolted down, I would steal it and electronics, clothes, and I was running a business at the time. I wasn't stealing from anyone at the business, but I just stole all kind of stuff. Then I had these guys that would fence it for me, get rid of it, and uh, make an extra money on the side, thinking this is what Italian men do. And then, and then um, one of my guys that was selling for me got caught, and he was in big trouble. But you know what? They, they pressed him, and they pressed him, and they pressed him. He never gave me up. He took the full punishment for it. That's amazing. I asked some law enforcement people last night in the lobby. I said, is it okay for me to say that? They said, eh, that's fine. You're in no trouble. They said, it's good for people to hear what God does and how he changes lives. So he took my punishment. After I accepted Christ, one of the first things I did is I made a beeline to this guy, and I introduced him to Jesus. I said, you, got, you have to meet Jesus. Jesus radically changed my life. Now, this is important to say, because some of you are nervous. You're holding on to your purses uh, tighter right now. <laughs> you're really nervous, right? You know, the day I accepted Christ, from that day on, I have never stole anything ever. 
You know how some things that we struggle with before we meet Jesus, we still struggle with after we meet Jesus? That, that wasn't one of them. God just absolutely cleaned me. I've never had a, even a desire to take something that's not mine. I don't even, when my accountant comes to me and says, uh, you can take this deduction, but it's a gray area, and if you take it, the IRS might tell you no, and they might make you pay. I go, I don't do gray. I do not do gray. Just I'll pay taxes. I don't want to, I want to be as honest as I can be. God did something. But then there's other areas of my life where every day I'm saying, God, I'm sorry, I did it again. I did it again. So we're all growing, right? We're all growing in God. But I want to make sure you know that. But Jesus did the same thing for you. I never, I never was punished for those things that I did. My friend never gave me up. And Jesus literally paid the punishment for everything you have ever done and everything you will do. And I want you to listen to these verses of Scripture. They're powerful. Romans 3.25, For God sent Jesus Christ, uh, Christ Jesus, to take the punishment for our sins and to end all God's anger against us. He used Christ's blood and our faith as the means of saving us from his wrath. So most of us get this in the sense, well, when I accept Jesus... Everything I ever did is forgiven. We get, we, we get that. But you, you know what? Everything you ever will do is forgiven. And I want you to notice some key things. Jesus uh, took our punishment for our sins, and he saved us from God's wrath. Listen to this, verse 26. And now in these days also he can receive sinners in the same way because Jesus took away their sins. But isn't this unfair for God to let criminals go free and to say that they are innocent? No, for he does it on the basis of their trust in Jesus who took away their sins. And some Christians, we get real nervous if we talk about the truth here, which is Jesus forgave all of our sins. He took all of your punishment. And so uh, you might ask me, isn't that a license to just go out and go crazy? No. When you understand it, you want to you you just become more like Christ. It's amazing what happens in your life. So what do I do when I mess up? I say, God, you know what, God? I know I'm forgiven. I know Jesus paid the price, but I'm sorry for what I do. But more than that, I need your grace to help me stop doing it. I need your grace to get me to the next level. And that's what it's all about. I don't have to go kill a lamb and sacrifice a lamb for myself. Jesus died once and for all for all of our sins. And when you understand that, that's when your spiritual growth will just absolutely take off because you understand it. So I just say, God, I, I messed it. It's like with Gina when we get in fights, you know, um, when she starts fights with me. We... Uh, now, I told you a couple of weeks ago, 95% of the time when we have an argument, I'm wrong. And 5%, I love the 5% when she's wrong and she has to tell me. Um, but, but if I'm wrong, I go and I say, honey, you know what? Um, I am so sorry for what I said. I am so sorry uh, for what I did. And it's just because I respect her. So I do that with God. But I do it not with guilt. I do it knowing, hey, I'm so forgiven, God. I shouldn't be doing this thing. Forgive me for living at a level that I'm, I'm created not to live at. I think I'm making some sense for you because he, he, took, he took our punishment because he took it. You and I are 100% forgiven. Here's something else about the law. The law is an amazing thing, and it, and it goes like this. The law shows us we're unlawful. So that's the 600 plus do's and don'ts. That's the law of Moses. That's all in the Old Testament. It just shows us 
were unlawful. It's like a mirror. How many of us appreciate mirrors? Do you appreciate mirrors? Uh, we look in them, don't we? I used to love them. I used to like go like this and like this. Now I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a little different now. But uh, there's a day when I loved mirrors, but I still use them. I still use them. Um, how many of us use mirrors in the morning? You know, we, 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 I use them to shave, and then I have this times 10 mirror, you know, and I check the ears out, check, check everything else out, right? And, and, and then I always look at the clothing, you know, did I button the buttons straight? And are there any spots? Did I get all the lint off? Do I have too many wrinkles? Don't we do that before we go out? And guess what? When we do something like that, if we see something wrong in the mirror, isn't it true we can fix it, right? We can fix it. But when you look into the law, the law was meant to be a mirror to show you all your sins and all your failures, but you can't fix them. And the idea was uh, it would frustrate you to no end, and you'd be so frustrated, you'd have to eventually say, I, I cannot, I cannot live the way you're saying. It's just God's standard and God's showing you, you can't live up to my standard. And it, the purpose was to lead you to Christ. It's, it's a mirror to show us we're unlawful. Listen to this scripture. It, it goes like this, Romans 3.20. Now do you see it? No one can ever be made right in God's sight by doing what the law commands. For the more we know of God's laws, the clearer it becomes that we aren't obeying them his laws serve only to make us see that we are sinners. So if you were to ask me what's the primary purpose of the law of Moses, according to the book of Galatians, it was to lead us to Christ. And then once we meet Christ, you look into the law, you're going to see all your flaws. But what you have to understand is God loves you with your flaws. And the only one that can clean you up, the only one that can get you ready and make you spiritual is Jesus. He did that. He forgave us and all that. But now that we're Christians... Every time you see God's standard and you don't live up to it, only Jesus can clean you up and prepare you and grow you. And if you don't see that, you'll work, you'll walk under Jesus plus works, and you can't work for what you've already got. You're holy. You're blameless in the sight of God. So if you were to ask me, I, this August I'll, I'll be the pastor at Believers for 35 years, Gene and I. And you learn a lot pastoring the same church for 35 years. And one of the most common questions people ask me, here's the question. People come up to me and they say, I think I committed the unpardonable sin. And, you know, I give everybody the same answer. And I, I, I do it on purpose to kind of shock them. But I give everybody the same answer. They say, I think I committed the unpardonable sin. And before they even tell me what they did, I say, no, you didn't. And that frustrates people. They go, you don't even know what I did. And I said, I don't care what you did. You didn't commit the unpardonable sin. They go, how do you know? I go, I know you did not commit it, but you don't even know what I did. I go, no, you didn't commit it. So then I tell them how I know. And I say, here's how I know. If you committed the unpardonable sin, you would not come to church ever again. You would not wonder if you did, and you would not ask a pastor if you did. You wouldn't want anything to do with God. You did not commit the unpardonable sin. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, show you that, and it, it's just absolutely amazing. Here's, here, here, here's the phrase, rejecting Jesus is the only sin God can't forgive. That's the unpardonable sin, rejecting Jesus. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to read a verse that's so amazing. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews to Hebrew Christians. 
But there was a major problem. Here's the problem. There were these Jews called Judaizers, and they were not Christians. They would go into a Christian church, and they try to convince the born-again Jews that Jesus isn't enough, and you have to get back into the law. And there were folks in that church that were saying, Jesus, I'm rejecting you. And they would literally go back into and under the law of Moses. And Paul's writing this. The whole book of Hebrews is all about that. And he's saying, one thing he says in there is, Jesus died once and for all, one sacrifice, that's all you'll ever need. I mean, he died for your sins. I mean, that's it. And he's trying to convince them. But then he has to make a statement. And this is the only way you can lose your salvation. And it goes like this. It, it, it reads in Hebrews 10.26, If anyone sins deliberately by rejecting the Savior after knowing the truth of forgiveness, this sin is not covered by Christ's death. There is no way to get rid of it. So what sin is he talking about? Rejecting Jesus. If you read the context of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit when Jesus talked about it, it, it's, you know, oftentimes we think it's, it's saying that a miracle that Jesus did or somebody else did wasn't God. But when you read that whole context, all of this is when the Holy Spirit convicts somebody that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that person that's convicted, they reject him. But here he's talking about Christians who they accepted Jesus, but then they become so deceived that they come to a place in their life through this deception where they say, Jesus, I don't believe you're the way to heaven. I don't believe you're the Savior. I reject you. And they walk away. And there's nothing God can do because only the blood of Jesus keeps us from the wrath of God, right? That's the only sin that's unpardonable. Listen to the next verse, verse 27. Uh, there will be nothing to look forward to but the terrible punishment of God's awful anger, which will consume all his enemies. Who's this referring to? Somebody that rejects Christ as Savior. Why? Because we can't go to heaven unless we accept Christ. Our sins aren't forgiven. Our punishment isn't taken. Now, that's the only sin. And here's why I share this part today, all right? You ready? Some of you are sitting here right now. Some of you are listening online. And you think you did some things that God can't forgive. You think you've done some things that made God angry with you. And I'm not saying they weren't wrong. I'm not saying they weren't bad. But here's what I'm saying. Jesus took the punishment, and his blood washes those things away. And until you can see that, you are going to walk under this thing called condemnation, and that's going to keep God from being able to work inside of you. Here's how Christianity is supposed to work. You ready? I love this verse. This is Philippians 2.13. It says, for God is at work within you, helping you want to obey him. I like that. And then helping you do what he wants. So good works are when you want to do something just because you're so thankful for what God did for you. But if you can't see it, and you're always walking under this condemnation and this guilt, God's not going to be able to do that work in you. But once you see it, I, I stand before you, and I can boldly say to everyone in this room, everything I do for God, I do because I'm just so thankful for what he did for me. I'm so thankful that he took my punishment, that he gave me heaven as a home. And so anything I do is a result of what he did for me. And I really believe there's so many people that have walked away from Christianity, especially young people, and people my age too. We walked away from Christianity because of this Jesus plus works mentality. 
And here's a real life story. Uh, many of you know who Bono is. He's the lead singer of U2. And uh, famous, seven, 175 million albums sold. And uh, he, he's quite a uh, philanthropist, uh, gives millions away to help the poor and all these. But his life story is amazing. He was born in Ireland. One parent was Protestant, one was Catholic. And he grew up watching the Protestants and Catholics blow each other up, right? Uh, when he was growing up, Catholics were blow, blowing up, you know, Protestant churches and buildings, and Protestants were blowing up Catholic churches and buildings, and they were all doing it because, you know, my slant on Christianity is right. No, my slant on Christianity is right. And there's this big feud. He's growing up in the middle of Christians feuding. Guess what he did? I probably would have done the same thing. He walked away from God just walked away. But then he tells a story. He says, then I found God's grace. And he said, I realized it was all by grace and it's not by works. And, and, and he uses the word karma. And he says, it's not by this thing, karma, which is you get what you deserve. You get what you do. And he said, I come to realize no, it's all by the grace of God. He even wrote a song. The song is called Grace. So if you want to Google that later, um, Spotify, look it up. It's called Grace. It's an amazing song where he sings about the grace of God. But here's the story I want to tell you. Ready? In the year 2000, Harvard asked him to come in and do the commencement speech. So think about Harvard University, brainiacs, right? Um, very liberal. Um, you know, started out as a, a, a religious school, but no longer has any of that. And they bring him in to do the commencement speech. And he's giving the commencement speech, one of the most famous uh, personalities on the planet. And he says to the students at Harvard, I've come to realize that it's no longer by works, and works aren't going to get you anywhere. He went on to say, it's all by the grace of God. And I'm thinking he's saying this at a commencement speech at Harvard. What impacted this man's life? God opened his eyes up to the incredible truth. You can't work for God's favor. You can't work for what you've already got. And he saw what religion does to Jesus, and then he went after what I call the purity of the simple gospel, which is Jesus minus those works to be approved by God and just knowing we're accepted by God. And I really believe, I want to have a little time of prayer. Can we close our eyes, bow our heads? And this is for everyone in the room. Right now it's for Christians. Those of you online, let's pray with me right now. God will come right through uh, your screen and speak and minister to you. So here we are. I know just from rubbing shoulders and pastoring, most of God's people have some guilt that they're carrying. Many of God's people have a works mentality. And I'm convinced right now, and through this message, God's been dealing with hearts. And he wants to free you to a place of peace and joy and a place where you can have real fellowship with God. You can't have it until you see that when you wake up in the morning, he smiles at you. He loves you madly. There's nothing you can do to have God love you more. So as you're sitting there, heads are bowed. There are some of you, I just want you to imagine doing this in your mind. I want you to take the guilt that you've been under, the mentality, I have, I'm have. i not doing enough for God, I have to do more. I, I want you to just take all that guilt and just see yourself throwing it in to the, to the hands of Jesus. Just giving it to God. 
Thank you, Jesus. Just stay in that attitude of prayer. I, I, I hear just something in my heart. I hear I just want to speak over you. And it kind of goes like this. There's, there's nothing at all, nothing more that you can do to make me love you more than I already do. I love you because you accepted my son. I love you because you're now my child. And my love is something you will have all the days of your life. And it's 100% because you accepted my son, Jesus Christ. So know this every moment of every day. I'm madly in love with you. And there's nothing you can do or say to change that very thing. But what you need to do is rejoice and thank me for what I've done for you. For you are my child and you are holy and blameless. And I felt that's what God was speaking to us. Now, can we just take a moment? We don't have to clap, but can you just with your mouth just say, thank you, God. Just say, thank you, Lord God. Say, I received that, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. I just want to, heads bowed, eyes closed, want to stay in this attitude of prayer. Maybe you walked in today and you weren't sure of your forever. I don't know that I have to say much more, man. If you accept Jesus, he's going to wash you, cleanse you, make you God's kid. And I know you may have grown up in church, but the question is, can you remember a day in your life where you said, Jesus, I'm, I believe in you. I'm accepting you as my Savior. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, man, I can't remember that day, but I'm ready now. Would you pray with me? Everyone else in the room, can we help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I was born sin-stained. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe you died to wash my sins away. And this day, I call you Lord. I accept you as my Savior and make a decision to follow you. Amen. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you prayed that prayer, miracles happen. You may not have felt anything, but God washed all your sins away. God gave you the gift of eternal life. It's amazing what's happened. Heaven's your future destination. But guess what else? The Bible teaches us that right now, if one person on planet Earth accepts Jesus, God himself sitting on the throne, so to speak, God himself and all of heaven begins to rejoice. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.